0: How's everybody doing? Hey, guys. Wow. It's a big crowd here tonight. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) right. They they heard we were coming. They stayed home.
1: We're so excited to be with you guys tonight. It's really an honor and a privilege to be here. And we're thankful Mm -hmm. that, that just you guys... Um, They're here to work on your marriage, and so we're just going to share our story.
0: Yeah, and they uh, always have us read this so that I don't go too long, because I can talk forever. And uh, Susan's got a a clock over here, and she's going to kick me off the stage. So that's the reason we read it, uh, rather than just telling her our story. But uh, let me go ahead and get started. Hi. (laughs) 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 We're Charles and Karen Bundren from Frisco, Texas, and we met when Karen answered my newspaper ad. This May, we will celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary. Yeah. Who is that couple? Wow.
1: <laughs> we had hair we've we been re-engaged
0: <laughs> leaders for over eight years. I think we've led eight or so groups, and we're members of Watermark Community Church, uh, where we've been uh, here members for about 11 years. We have four adult-grown, <laughs> out-of-college, working children. One son, three daughters, who are all actively involved uh, here at Watermark. Uh, This has been a long and frustrating journey uh, to get kind of where we are today and from that picture you saw earlier. (laughs) One of our biggest fights when we first got married, well, before we got married, was over plastic buttons for the men's tuxedos at our wedding. (laughs) Yeah, it almost ended before it began. Uh, I wanted to say $5 with plastic buttons, but Karen wanted cloth buttons because you could see them in the picture, couldn't you? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, I lost the battle, so I lost that argument. I've lost a few in my career, but I lost Mm -hmm. that one big time. I grew up the oldest of uh, four children. My parents divorced when I was 10 years old. After the divorce, my father abandoned the family and we rarely saw him at all. I accepted Christ at an early age, one Sunday morning in church, but I grew up in a very legalistic church environment. We were at church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time the doors were open, but never with my father. My father was never around during the 10 years before he abandoned the family. My mother was a strong-willed woman, and my father was very, very passive and not a spiritual leader at all in our home. I spent a lot of time with my mother's father, my grandfather, as a young boy growing up, and he led me more by example than by words, although we had a lot of really great spiritual conversations over the years.
1: And I grew up in Dallas in a family with a long legacy of God-fearing parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. My two brothers and I were taught the Bible, went to a conservative Bible church, and learned to love God at an early age. One afternoon after vacation Bible school, around the age of five, my grandmother prayed with me to receive Jesus as my Savior. I remember it like it was yesterday. Matthew 19.1 says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. So parents, I just want to encourage you that your kids are never too young to start sharing a relationship with Jesus. Teach them at an early age the love of Jesus and the truth of his amazing grace.
0: So as a kid, when I was growing up, Jim Brown and Johnny Unitas were my heroes. A lot of y'all don't know who those are, but I (laughs) love sports. I watched it in black and white every Sunday. Oh, sorry. Uh, That's the old script. (laughs) (laughs) I I was too slow and and too small to play sports. I couldn't play football. So I determined that the only way that I was ever going to really change my circumstances was through education. So, I got accepted at Texas Tech University. I sent in an application and they sent me. Are we okay back there? Texas. Oh, that was the Texas Tech thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Guns up. They're waving at <laughs> us back there. Guns up. Okay. Bounds Sorry up. about that. Anyway, <laughs> the, I sent in an application. They sent me a dorm room key and I was, I was in. That was, that's all it took. Uh, after my first semester, though, I'd run into problems and didn't have any money and I came home and went to a local community college. I returned to tech after kind of getting my life straightened out as a freshman. Uh, in my sophomore year, got involved with a, a really good community of men there, got involved in a church, and I grew a lot spiritually during my last two years of my undergraduate years at Tech. Eventually, I graduated in four years and was accepted to law school out there. And during my law school, I continued to grow spiritually, went to the same local church, and while in law school, became very outspoken about my Christian faith and how it conflicted with the, uh, with the law.
1: And as a kid, I grew up in a household where I watched my parents fight a lot. They did not have the tools or the skills to resolve conflict well. Rarely did they practice Ephesians 4.26, which says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't get me wrong. They loved each other very much. They just lacked communication skills and at times the desire to seek understanding. This environment of loud arguing, and it's usually over money, um, caused me to shrink back and run from conflict, because I hated conflict. From elementary school through high school, we spent pretty much every weekend at our farm in East Texas. My dad, with his military background, would have us up at oh six thirty, working cows, fixing fences, mowing pastures, you name it, we did it. The opportunity to work hard on weekends instilled in us a strong work ethic. This would later lead to struggling with performance-driven, with seeking the approval of men rather than God. Um, Fast forward to high school and college, even though I became a Christian at a very young age, my heart was not completely his. When I began dating, I took pride, which is never a good thing, in not crossing the line. However, I dated in a way that did not honor the Lord. I found myself looking for affirmation through boyfriends rather than looking to the Lord for my security and self-worth. This, seemed, um, this stemmed from past hurts as a young kid. I'm thankful for the Regen um, program here, our 12-step recovery ministry at Watermark, where this came to the surface and through God's grace I was able to forgive those who had caused the hurt. These hurts from my childhood played a big part in the way I had dated and led to issues in our um, marriage, specifically in my lack of desire for physical intimacy. It was a sweet, sweet thing to be here and reengage, and reminded that the physical intimacy that God created was a blessing from him and as a form of worship, um, which he's given couples in the context of marriage.
0: So after Karen answered my newspaper ad... To lease the condominium, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to meet her and her family. After three showings, I would—after three showings, it took me three times to get her to lease it. I was very attracted to her and her family, uh, but I never thought I would meet my wife from a newspaper ad. It just wasn't kind of what I was thinking. Um, and it was only through the grace of God. There's a long story I can't go into because Susan said I can't. But anyway, uh, that we ever met at all. Uh, but after meeting Karen and her family, I saw in Karen a, a really godly woman who feared the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 31:30 30 through 31 says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done in that her works bring her praise at the city gate. It didn't take me long to realize Karen was a Proverbs 31 woman. She had compassion and love for people. And she was a whole lot of fun, which I was not. So, um, I pursued Karen after I collected my commission for leasing that condo from a friend. Um, But she wasn't interested. I continued to pursue her and pursue her and pursue her and pursue her (laughs) her some more. Despite repeated rejection and finally... After going to a Brahms in Dallas, I was able to define the relationship. That's one of those millennial terms, by the way, uh, that we learn from our kids. After that, I proposed nine months later, we were married. Our premarital counseling to get started in this journey of a marriage consisted of a weekend away with the pastor and his wife, but we didn't see the big elephant in the room and the impending conflicts that we were going to inevitably have.
1: So Charles and I married after a really rocky dating period. While dating, I was very selfish with my time. I was living for Karen and her schedule and honestly not ready to give up my freedom. When Charles asked me to marry him, I, said, I didn't say yes. <laughs> right away. I said, well, I can't say no. And so I knew, I I knew it was God's will for me to be with him. And there's no doubt that, um, I'm so thankful that I said yes. And anyway, so it meant dying to self and being obedient to where God was calling me. And yes, I'm just thankful that like after we were married 17 months, um, we had our first daughter, Brittany, uh, 15 months after Brittany, we had our second daughter, Blair. And two years after Blair, we had twins, John and Jennifer. So that was us. (laughs) Big hair in the picture, big hair here, and lots of kids. (laughs) And half couldn't walk. (laughs) So uh, I don't remember much about this time. We had four babies, three and under. It was a successful day if they all got a bath, if their hair was brushed, if their clothes were on, fed, and back in bed by 10 o'clock. That was kind of where my life was then. The time was so stressful for our marriage, Um, Charles was working 12 to 14 hours a day, so the kids and I rarely saw him. We had made some pretty dumb financial decisions early on in our marriage, which brought on extra burdens we could hardly bear. I became the dripping faucet when he was home. I hadn't planned to have four babies so soon and then to parent them without a husband around. A few months after Brittany was born, my granddad died, and then 10 months after Blair, my dad died as well. Um, I began to resent the Lord because uh, it felt like every man that I was close to was being taken away. Um, I felt like they were abandoning me. So, you know, but Proverbs 3.26 says, The Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from snared. He was, my heart had been hardened just through all this with our little kids and him working so hard. But... Um, He began to penetrate my hard heart and began to soften it, making me realize that he was truly the only one and the only father I needed. I was so focused on my situations that I didn't realize the pressures that Charles had at the office and and at home as well. I look back at those days and I'm so surprised he even wanted to come home at all. Uh, I wasn't exactly pleasant to be around. My heart had grown angry and bitter towards him. And I started to not only dislike him, I developed a hatred in my heart towards him. The four or five hours that he did come home, all we did was argue about money, <laughs> remembering I hate conflict. And so all, I always felt like, man, the arguing was always one direction, and that was at me. And I would mentally check out, shut down, and run away.
0: And I argued for a living, so it was easy for me. <laughs> It wasn't easy for our marriage. I don't, no. I don't recommend it, all right? No. Uh, very quickly into the marriage, uh, <clears throat> you know, I realized, oh, wait a minute, we've come from c- two completely different families of origin. Um, quickly, we began to have conflict over finances and money. And when the economy downturned in the mid-'80s and the law firm that I was working for started to experience a contraction in the legal services market, uh, the lack of money became a very big area of conflict for us. Uh, Proverbs 22 7 says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender We had become slaves to our lenders to those we owed money to all I could think about was how to work harder More hours in order to make more money, but then that would take me away from Karen and the kids Our credit card debt was completely out of control At one point we owed over hundred and twenty thousand dollars in credit card debt We were struggling just to make the minimum payments The law firm business did not improve, and I was yoked to the performance of a lot of other people over whom I had no control. Eventually, the home that we built while we were engaged, and the home we first lived in when we first got married, was foreclosed on. And the debt and the money problems just continued. This created tremendous stress on our marriage and on our relationship. It was hard for us to have a calm conversation and have uh, any kind of intimacy because of the financial stress that we were facing. I was not a good money manager at the time. I did not plan appropriately and was not sensitive enough to Karen and her needs. I blamed her for all of it, of course, because that's what you do, right? That was not a good idea. At this point, I finally decided to leave the law firm and to open my own firm. As it turned out, that was the best decision that I could have made for our marriage and our family.
1: So in year six of our marriage, things were pretty dark. Uh, It wasn't until after a a two-and-a-half-week trip to India when I left my kids at age four, three, and a year-and-a-half did I get away long enough from our situation to realize, like, I was causing a lot of the problem. During this trip to India with our pastor and his wife, I sought counseling. Uh, When I got back home, I I, I started just praying and crying out to the Lord to help me change my heart. I can remember being in the shower and just, like, Praying to the Lord, just like, forgive me. Forgive me of how selfish I've been and just focusing on me and not realizing like our bigger situation. Um, And so I started asking him to help me um, start liking Charles again. I wasn't gonna be asking for loving him yet, but just to help take baby steps to just help me like my husband again. And then I started making other choices to respect him, to pray for him, to begin um, to choose to serve him. And so guys, um, yeah, it was a choice. It was not a feeling. It wasn't something that just, Ooh, all of a sudden he was hot, right? <laughs> it was uh, some choice I had to make. And so, um, it was a decision to lay down my hurts and my anger and trust God to change me. I knew Romans fourteen twelve said that, uh, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And I didn't want to have to stand and give an account of the way I'd been living truly. I stopped trying to make him what I wanted him to be and began trying to be who God called me to be. Uh, We call this our pre-India days and our post-India days. At this point, I began to help with all our finances at home. As I took on the accounting for his law firm and other businesses we had, my eyes were opened to the reason for such stress. And I'm so thankful that he let me into this part of his world. Um, I had no idea and had no way to realize how dreadful our situation had really been.
0: Karen's trip to India was a turning point in our marriage. I was trying to change her, and she was trying to change me, and nothing was working. didn't work out well at all. And if you're trying that, quit it. <laughs> you probably heard that from your leaders. Anyway, we both began to realize that we can't change each other. Only God can change us. And, and, and we were both frustrated from trying to change each other. When Karen returned from her trip, we began to work through some of the conflict issues even before we had reengaged because it wasn't around. And of course, a lot of that related to our financial situation. By, the time, by that time, I had left the law firm that I had been part of for a number of years. I could spend more time with the family, more time with Karen. I had more control over the hours that I was working and the income that I was able to achieve. And this helped us to relieve some of the financial stress. And we began after that to communicate better.
1: So for years we had lived parallel lives with all our kids involved in multiple sports all four had two or three sports at one I mean it was crazy it was like we'll get you there. We'll pick you up. We may not see a thing you do in between because we're doing it for all of them. Uh, we had very little time for each other. It wasn't until we were they were all four in college that we found ourselves as empty nesters. I'm like who are you? <laughs> what am I married to? Anyway, we came to reengage and we realized how out of whack our priorities had been for so so many years. The skills we learned at reengage were significant in helping us learn to communicate effectively. It taught us how to recognize and deal with unmet expectations, and it trained us in quickly forgiving each other as we hurt each other. Like, man, it's got to be quick to forgive. These have strengthened and blessed our marriage beyond measure, and to God be the glory. We truly strive to live out Hebrews twelve fourteen, which says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. That means your spouse too. And to be holy.
0: So, we just covered about half of Reengage in that one sentence, if <laughs> you caught all those chapters. Uh, but Reengage helped us to uh, refocus on our marriage, to learn the basic tools that were necessary to make our marriage successful. We're still working on it. We're not there yet. Nobody is, at least, we're not. Um, we started to lead a small group in Reengage, and in the process of doing that, we got the opportunity to continue to use the Reengage materials and the steps to build our own marriage. Ephesians 5:25 says husbands this is to you guys love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water to the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless the first part of that husbands love your wives um, you got to love your wife the same way you'd love your own body. I had to learn to continue to love Karen and, and more and more each day, just as Christ loved the church. And I needed to stop trying to change her and to control her because that's what lawyers try to do. Okay. I mean, that's just where way I am. I'm working on it. Okay. Today we are debt free except for a small mortgage on our home and we don't have the financial stress that we had in the past and we're able to manage our time much more efficient efficiently. My relationship with my dad was restored and he lived in our home with us for five years uh, before the Lord took him home in March of last year. Why do I always do this? (laughs) part. It's okay. Um, This happened last time. Uh, Karen and I communicate better, although not perfectly. Um, We still have conflict. Uh, but we've learned how to resolve that conflict with an escalation primarily on my part because I'm good at that as I did in the past. We have more time and excitement about studying God's word together. We are actively involved in a Watermark community group. Uh, I think Clark and Candy are here and Pat, I don't know if Pat's here or not, the the Duns and uh, we all work and re-engage together. So uh, we enjoy serving together and working and ReEngage. We enjoy praying together for our family, for our small groups, uh, ReEngage groups. Uh, those of you who have been in our groups, we've prayed for you, for our country and for the ministry of Watermark Community Church.
1: We see God's faithfulness in taking two broken people and using challenging times to teach us that he is the only one who we can look to for satisfaction and complete dependence. He has been faithful in every situation. He is the one who brings peace in our life. In Isaiah 26, 3, Isaiah claims of the Lord, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. We have found this to be absolutely true. Okay, so we are so thankful for our four kids who love and serve the Lord. These last three and a half years, we've added two wonderful son-in-laws. Uh, Daniel and Dean and nine months ago, the Lord made us daddy bun and honey bun (laughs) to that little nine, nine month old baby girl, Savannah. (laughs) We're thankful um, for our parents, our siblings who stuck beside us through thick and thin and now for community that holds us accountable as we try to live out God's word. We want to encourage you guys to get honest before the Lord. Like, what are you doing? That's bringing disharmony in your marriage. What are you doing that you, you know, know that you can change to help begin bringing oneness to your marriage? So God calls us to live in unity of spirit. In Ephesians 4, 1-4, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And I, we, can tell you that it's way better when you die to self and live for him.
0: When we were going through all of our conflicts and suffering from our really bad financial decisions, it was hard to see where it would all end up, as you just saw in that picture. Um, We relied on God, close friends, and family uh, to help us through these difficult times. I needed to learn how to stay in my circle um, to work on me and my relationship with God and I needed to stop trying to control and change Karen and get into her circle Ask yourself this question How is what you're doing working in your marriage? Are you getting the results you desire in your marriage? If you're not getting good results over and over again, there maybe you ought to change what you're doing Duh That's insanity to continue to do the same thing stay in your circle There are three things that I like to focus on when I'm focusing on me. That is to know God, to fear God, and to learn to follow his commands. When I do these three things, then my circle gets better. And when my circle gets better, my marriage gets better. When I don't do these things, my circle gets really, really ugly, as Clark and Candy will tell you (laughs) in my community group. As a result, it deteriorates my relationship with Karen. No matter what your struggle may be, It's not over. You're here because nothing's impossible with God if you simply focus on your circle, work on you, work on your relationship with God by daily devoting and studying His Word and prayer. Fearing God and fellowshipping with people in a community environment will improve and expedite your ability to more easily relate with your spouse. Your marriage will start to become everything you envisioned that it could be and that God intended when he first created marriage. And the fact that you're here to work on it is step number one. Keep working. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.